Welcome to RubyConf. Yeah. RubyConf After Hours. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody. This is the Giant Robot Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast. It is November 1st, and we are broadcasting live from RubyConf 2012, as you can probably hear in the background. And today, I am here with Aaron Patterson. Do you guys ever run out of robots to smash into each other? Uh, we don't. We use renewable robots. <laughs> it's very green. We recycle the broken parts. Shade-grown shade grown fair trade robots oh absolutely totally organic <laughs> awesome yeah uh, we're committed to green energy and all that so aaron when will you be announcing that you have gone to work for github <laughs> uh i that's you can't ask that question I that can't? Is a, no because that's like that's that's a leading question i can't is it it feels yes. totally neutral to me <laughs> i don't know i don't know Man, that would be so awkward if I accidentally stumbled onto GitHub's secret plan. No, to hire you didn't. You. you didn't. You didn't stumble onto anything. Just for no. the record, everyone, that's a joke. I don't have any insider information. <laughs> and if someday, he's lying, he's doing that? a good job of that. Someday, someday, Some, but it could happen. It could absolutely. It could absolutely happen. But I have no idea when. How's right. that? Because they allow remote work, and you like to be remote, right? Yeah, I love being remote. Uh, it's fun to be a remote worker, except that my cat sits on my keyboard. Right. And I mean, so, like, there's that thing about, you know, an infinite number of monkeys, like, they can do all this stuff. Well, I've tried, like, a cat sitting on my computer for an infinite amount of time, and let me tell you, it doesn't work. Is this it what, does not work. Is this why we don't have name parameters in Ruby 2? We have name parameters in Ruby 2. We do? Yeah. For real? Yes. Tell me about for that. For real. I well, thought we didn't. Okay, well, let me, let me, give, you the, let me give you the lowdown on Pl- name parameters. Please do. So, we have them, we have them, but the problem is, like... When you when you define a method with name parameters, um, you have to provide a value for the parameter. So you say like foo colon like bar. You have to give a default value. Interesting. So I mean that's great, except that that means that you can't have required named values. Right, because it'll always fall back. Because it'll default. always go back to the default. So that kind of sucks. Why did that? Why is that? Um, I don't know. I think it's because like. What would you have on the right-hand side? You have to parse. The parser has to work some way, yeah. right? So what would you have on the right-hand side of the parameter? You have to have something. So hmm. what would you have in the case of a required default parameter? Well, I mean, you say we have to have something, but can't we change the parser to work differently? And I suppose you could. I just don't know how. Okay. So, but there's... I a, mean, other languages do this. Yes. So it must be obviously, possible. Obviously, yes. Yeah, right, obviously. Yeah. It must be possible. Yeah. I just, I don't know why we don't have that. Okay. But what you can do, there's, there's a total fun hack that you can do. Okay. So Does this right, involve me compiling my own Ruby? No, no, no. Not at all. It'll, it, it involves confusing anybody that reads your code later. Oh, I'm good at that. <laughs> that, that I do without name parameters. So you can do, so you can do the, the, right hand, the right-hand side. Whenever you do default parameters, those are evaluated when the method is called. Right. Yep. So as soon as the method is called, that thing is that right hand side is evaluated. So you could just put raise argument error on the right hand side. <laughs> <laughs> it'll raise an error if you don't provide a value. Oh, so you can totally fake it. It's that's just, so beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so it's just that you look at the you look at the method definition. You're like, what is uh, going on? Here? I can't wait for that to fail every code review that uh, anyone. Well, looks you at. know, I mean. I'm trying as hard as possible to get that into, like, every possible line of rail source ever. Really? Yeah, yeah, totally. Job security. Uh, <laughs> oh, gotcha, okay. <laughs> Your deadpans are too good. I just I missed it. Oh, uh, yeah, yes. Awesome. So uh, what else are you excited about for Ruby 2.0? 
Mm. What else am I excited about? Um, I'm excited that it's faster. Mm. I don't know how much faster because I haven't really measured it, but it's definitely faster. I can feel it. You can tell. This yeah, is like feel it. Boot up like like the rails boot faster. Is, yeah, rails boot is faster. Actually, uh, we have a ticket open. We're working on increasing the speed of requires, I saw so that, yeah. boot should be faster. I'm excited about D-Trace probes to be in 2.0, mm-hmm. so we can do easier profiling. Right. Um, I saw you you had a post about adding those in to do some testing. Yes, um, those are just going to be in there now. Yeah, it's just going to be in there. So a, D, uh, a, a D-Trace probe is like a hook in there that will measure information in there? Is that roughly what it is? No. So basically what it is is it just, like, it just, it's, uh, I'm trying to describe it without using the word probe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, it just fires an event whenever some particular thing happens. So, for okay. example, you say, like, I want to know whenever somebody calls a method. And it just fires a probe saying, like, hey, somebody called a method. And gotcha. here's the information about the method. Gotcha. But we provide probes like, okay, we entered a method and now we exited a method. Right? So yep. you can say, you can put timing hooks around that. You just say, like, okay, give me the timestamp now. And then when you return from the method, okay, subtract the timestamp now. And then we can do math to figure out, like, how fast a particular method was or how long you were in GC or, you know, wherever we put those probes inside of Ruby. So you can, you can do measurement. Got it. Uh, and another, like, one thing I really like about it is you can do live measurement with it. So you can say, like, you don't have to add the pro or you don't have to, like, typically with normal Ruby profiling, like... Um, you have to manipulate your code base, add, like, a set trace funk or adds, like, perftools.rb or whatever. And you have to do that in advance and then boot up your application. Mm. Whereas with dtrace, you can have an application running and actually just attach to the process later and be like, oh, tell me, what, tell me what's up with my app right now. Oh, that's great. So you don't have to modify your app running in production. New Relic must be excited about this. I hope or so. Or terrified. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Anything you're disappointed about not managing to get in for 2.0? Um, well, there's some things. One thing I would like to get into 2.0, and I don't think it's going to make it this round, is like, um, oh, we had a ticket open doing... Uh, so whenever you have, whenever you're reading from a file and you hit, like, I don't know, a block, like the file would block... If you're doing non-blocking, non-blocking reads on a file, you might get an exception saying, hey, um, this file is going to block. And you have to handle that exception, hmm. right? And then you say, like, okay, well, let's retry when, the, when we can read from the file. Um, but the thing that sucks about that is when you're doing non-blocking I.O. and you get a, non, you know, a would block exception, it's not an exceptional case, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is a standard thing about non-blocking I.O. and you're going to get this case. So it would be nice if we didn't have to handle that with an exception. right? And then all the overhead of the exception, like building up the stack trace, doing all this crap to like actually raise the exception. Mm-hmm. And one of the proposals that uh, Yehuda sent was like, well, let's do let's modify these so we can actually get you know, a return value that's like the number of bytes we read, or if it would block, we can know that it would block without raising an exception. Um, and the reason that's not getting into 2.0 is basically just I haven't had enough time to write up the patch for that. Okay. So uh, <laughs> that's it's time. 
Got is it. basically the constraint on that one. Sure. So, and and you do you work on do you work on Ruby during the day like your work week? Yes. Or is this, okay. Yes. My day is like go have have at it. Yeah. My daytime job is just doing open source stuff like. And it's working long. on yeah all day, and it's working on Ruby core stuff and Rails core stuff. Mm-hmm. But right now, like right now, I'm super slammed because like Ruby core or Ruby 2.0 deadline is coming up, and also Rails four Rails four is coming up. So we're like, I'm like dying. Huh. Sucks. So <laughs> open source has its deadlines as well. Yes, it's not all unfortunately roses and yes. whenever you get to it. The nice, I mean, the nice thing is, and don't don't tell anybody I said this. Okay, we we won't. <laughs> <laughs> the Ruby 2.0 deadline is a little bit more concrete than the Rails 4.0 deadline. <laughs> uh-huh. That's, that, was, that was said very diplomatically. Yes. Uh, that actually brings me to something I wanted to ask you about, which is how does working with the Rails core team differ than the Ruby core team? Um, it's, it's very different. Uh, Ruby, core's, Ruby core's business is mostly conducted via mailing lists public mailing lists which is kind of interesting so um all of our conversations are public pretty much um also it moves it moves more slowly Mm. ruby core moves more slowly than rails moves and i think i think moving too fast is a bad thing but i also think moving too slow is a bad thing too like with Rails core, we move so fast that like I'll do an update and I'm like, oh my god, we have tons of changes. What happened between you know last night and this morning? I have no idea. So you can't know like you can't know all the changes. Where Ruby core is like, okay, we're doing, you know, moving along slowly. I can update and actually see, oh okay, and understand the changes between what happened, you know, day to day, right? So. I think it's just because like one moves so fast I can't fit the information in my head where the other one moves slow enough that I can fit the information in my head. Yeah. Yet I would like the development speed to move more quickly. Yeah. That seems like it'd be an in- so when you're working on Ruby itself, you're working in C basically. Right? Is that uh, true? no, not all the time. I mean, it depends it depends on what you're trying to do like any sort of VM stuff is obviously Ruby or C. The um, Detroit stuff is all C. But if you're working on like standard library extensions, you're still in Ruby land most oh, of right. the time. I mean, there's like Ruby core ships with a lot of Ruby code. Right, right. So it just depends on what you're working on. Cool. Do you like being able to sort of move up and down the stack like that? Mm. Yes. I like it a lot because I can say, like, well, why is something slow or how can we make something better right. and I can just go dive into the VM and be like oh okay well this is why it's slow and this is what we can do to speed it up yep. it's nice it was, I was reading one of your blog posts last night about and you were doing some profiling of, of something and uh, I just noticed like the tools you reached for were like way different than what I would go for like I'm, I'm not basically very familiar with like Ruby at a lower level at all so like I would be reaching for Ruby stuff purely and you're doing things that I just haven't seen before I think because you probably have a little more of that knowledge there or a lot more yeah, it's it's hard though. I mean, it's kind of hard because you have to know um, what level to do the what level to do the tracing at. Because like sometimes sometimes I'll go way too low, mm. right? I'll go like way too low, and I'm like, it's it's just I didn't need to go that low, and now I'm like kind of unwinding the stack on myself, right? Right? Or sometimes it's too high, and like you have to. I mean, <laughs> when I write the blog posts. I'm doing it at the correct level, but that's because like I already did it and oh, sure. figured it out. So now I'm like writing the right way to do it. Whereas all the work I put into that blog post, like yeah, I made a mistake. 
many, you know, made many mistakes to get there. Totally. And I'm glad to hear you say that. I, I, I think more people should say that more of the time because there's, there's this sort of illusion in the world where you have sort of expert level people and they produce a finished product, like code that has now been, code that's done or a blog post that's done or an ebook. And like, it looks like these people are brilliant. Like this guy, wow, the solution is so perfect. It just got there. And there's not as much discussion of like, well, honestly, this took me a couple days. I screwed it up yeah. a lot before I got to here. Yeah, actually, well, actually, that's why I don't post, I don't blog very frequently. And it's mostly because like the effort that I put into any particular post is like a lot of effort. Like yeah. it takes a lot of work to produce one of my articles. So I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. So you have sort of this like purely for the good goal of publishing your blog post, right? Yes. Like a lot of people, a lot of businesses and people are blogging because it gets them traffic, it gets them their brand out there. But you kind of have nothing to win except for like telling the world more about Ruby. Yeah, that's why my website's pink. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's also tenderlovemaking.com. I mean, <laughs> right, exactly. You're not exactly constrained by commercial things. Exactly. No, no, pretty much not. No, uh -huh. it's it's awesome to go look at the analytics for my website because like the top two keywords are like tender love, and tender love making. Like right. yes, yes. Somebody is searching for that, and then all of a sudden they click my website and, and they so read about disappointed. Ruby. Yes, I know. It's like, like I'm just imagining the look of disappointment. Yeah. Oh, you're trolling. What is this? You're trolling everybody. Yes, yes exactly. Awesome. <laughs> so, how do you feel? Uh, about being something of a Ruby celebrity. You kind of have this interesting like niche status where within like a certain group of a few thousand people, like a lot of folks will know who you are. Uh I don't know. Some it seems fine. <laughs> um sometimes well, sometimes it's kind of weird when it intersects with my family life. They're like, how do all these people know you? Or, like, my parents find out about Twitter, and they're like, why do you have so many people following you? And I'm like, oh, you know. <laughs> right. I don't know. <laughs> does it make you uncomfortable at all? Uh, no. Okay. It doesn't. I don't think... I don't think... No. No, not at all. Right, would you describe yourself as an introvert? Yes, very much. So that's... Absolutely. Okay, so all that, like, public exposure and the speaking and the blogging and all that stuff, that's not... doesn't sort of go against your natural inclination? Well, so... I don't mind being a public figure or giving talks or being in public and meeting with people. It's just that um, that sort of interaction drains my energy. Like, I don't recharge myself that way. The way I recharge myself is, like, being by myself. Yeah. Like... So when I get home from a conference, I just, like, sit at home and, like, don't talk to anybody. Gotcha. So um, for me, being an introvert isn't about being shy around people. It's about how I, like, recharge my batteries. Right. I'm, I'm picturing you with, like, a Street Fighter II energy bar over your head right now. And this podcast <laughs> it's going down, is slowly going down. wiping you out. You might have to just go back to your hotel room after this. Yes. There's a lot of personal questions oh, in yeah. here. <laughs> mm. So... Do you? This is a, a serious question for a second. Do you have uh, elaborate facial hair plans for Movember? No, you know, I've never participated in Movember because I always already have a mustache. Yeah, and I don't. Aren't aren't you supposed to shave it at the end of November or something? Uh, I think you're supposed to shave it at the start. Yeah, I don't want to shave then, it. Yeah, so you're you're a passive participant. Yeah, actually, so when I was at the. When I was at the airport on the way here, the TSA agent hassled me. It was like, "Oh, you've got a you got a mustache for Halloween." I'm like, 
<laughs> yeah, I sure do. Yeah. But uh, no, I didn't want to explain to him that, no, I just decided to have a mustache. I've yeah. had it for a while. And he looks at my ID, he's like... You used to have so. What was it like <laughs> to shave your beard? And I'm like, I don't remember. I was a lot. This picture is literally like 15 years old. I have no idea. <laughs> you gotta be careful with those screening questions. Yeah, if you answer the wrong way. Well, this. Let me tell you, this was at TSA pre-check, which was very nice. Oh God, it's like the premium lane. Yeah. I felt like I felt like a rock star. I'm oh. like, oh my God, yeah. uh, pre-check. Wow. <laughs> I, I had an interview scheduled to do that because I, I ended up traveling a lot as myself, and I missed the interview. I haven't uh, so I haven't done the interview. I just went to the really? like yeah. I went to the um you're so getting arrested. I know. Well, I went to the I went to the like I don't know kiosk thing or the the office the, in the no, airport. No, 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 no. I went to the goal the the lane, the security lane for people who have travel status. Mm-hmm. I went to that lane mm-hmm. and the TSA agent there scanned my barcode thing and they're like, "You know, you qualify for a pre-check." And I was like, "No." Oh, okay. How am I supposed to know that? <laughs> Yeah. And they're like, well, you do. And I'm like, I'll take it. And then I just go and I'm like, okay. Interesting. I went through. Maybe they're relaxing the requirements. I don't know. I want to do, do the interview thing. Cause like, it's miserable. Well, I mean, it? the process of applying is miserable. It's, it's based, so you, it's a giant, so you have to go fill out a, web, uh, a, a giant series of web forms. And it is exactly the series of web forms you would expect the TSA to put together. <sighs> and it's five, it's like the last five places you've worked and lived. Really? Yeah. So I, I don't had, even remember. I was digging through old emails for addresses and stuff like this. It was it was a mess. Oh boy! And then I blew my interview, so awesome. I have to reschedule. You blew your interview. I, I set a reminder for it, and it went off ten minutes before the interview. Uh, and uh, I was, I'm like thirty minutes. I thought from you the went to the interview and failed it. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm decent suck. at giving interviews. I'm terrible at being interviewed. I just say all the wrong things. <laughs> I'm always like I'm paranoid. So this this happens whenever I cross borders or any time I ever have to talk to like a police officer or anyone who could like get me in trouble. I'm afraid that I'll like have diarrhea of the mouth and just be like I'm carrying tons of drugs <laughs> even though like I'm not like yes. Yeah. I have tons of guns and knives. I, uh, and then I, I hope you realize, like you're an arrest. Like, yeah. You realize you gave us just there the title of this podcast, right? <laughs> I'm carrying tons of drugs. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. it is. <laughs> We're going to quote that on our website. Aaron Patterson. Replay that. Replay. He carries tons of drugs with him all the time. Listen. <laughs> Aaron Patterson admits he carries guns and knives. So in a similar vein of things I'm just learning about you now, uh, are there? what do most people in the Ruby world not know about you? I don't really... Uh, I don't actually really censor my personal life too much, I think. Uh, maybe, I know. I grew up in Salt Lake City. I don't think I broadcast that very much. Hmm. I don't tell people that mm-hmm. very often because I've lived in Seattle for so long that I'm like, oh, this is my hometown now. So. Was it a weird or traumatic experience or just something that just doesn't come up a lot? Uh, it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't really come up very much. And I guess I didn't really like living there too much well honestly like when i lived there it seemed fine but then when i moved to seattle i'm like whoa yeah man living there sucked <laughs> well contrast can help show those yes things. and i'm like ah, i see i see what i'm i see what i'm missing <laughs> yeah so you like seattle yeah i love it it seems like there's something a little bit special about seattle rb it is special yeah. it's very special why Oh, I was being sarcastic. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> no, 
another quote. There's nothing special about CLRV. <laughs> no, it's all right. I, mean, I, like- I saw you, you gave a talk on like the history of it and like seem to be very fond of it. And there, oh yeah, no, I love I love Seattle RV. It's great. Um, let's see. There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of good like good Rubyists who go there. Yeah. You can learn. Like, I love it because I learn a lot. So that's that's fun. That's why I like it. Is because mm-hmm. I learn a lot when I go. Um, although I've been going to it for so long now that I'm a now like basically I'm now a teacher, yeah. right? So I don't learn as much when I go, but it's still fun to do that. Like I like it when we get new people who show up and I can pair with them and help them out. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it helps a lot. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I've grown as a member of the community. So mm. it's like when I first started going to Seattle RB, it was like it was awesome because I learned so much stuff. But now it's awesome because I get to teach people stuff. Sure. Um, but I also get to learn from these new people too. Like they're trying to do something in Rails and they can't figure it out. And I'm like, why is it that they're having a hard time? Right. And I'm like, well, maybe that's something that we should improve. Oh, but totally. I still like I still help them, you know, solve the problem that they have. But in turn, I can say like, well. Maybe there's some area where we can improve as yeah. well. So that seems like a really useful thing for like people that are contributing to Rails to do is to work with new people to it. Yes, that's like that's one of the main reasons I like going to Seattle RB is helping out like helping out the new people that come. Mm-hmm. There was Jeff Casimir gave a really interesting talk about and it was sort of just all like the kind of not exactly warts but sort of weird things about Rails where like it's always this way except for here it's this way yeah and, like just these like sort of weird little edge cases that like to me have become second nature because yep. I've just run into them so many times but he, he taught I mean he's they're clear to him yes. because with Hungry Academy he's teaching people all the time yes and it, it was just it was really kind of enlightening because as soon as he points it out I'm like oh yeah that is really weird like why would how would you explain that yeah it does like it's not I it's it's really eye opening when you get somebody new and you work with them and you but you have to like remove yourself from the situation and be like, well, why is it that way? Or why are they having a hard time? And try to analyze, rather than analyzing the problem itself, I mean, you have to analyze the problem itself to help the new person, mm-hmm. right? But you have to like go a little bit meta and say, like, well, why is this a problem? What can we do to make this not a problem in the future? Yeah. So that maybe I don't have to help somebody with it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> could be. Not that I don't want to help, but, you know, maybe they can, like, be helped in a different area sure yeah so it seems like you you have a pretty cool gig you're working on stuff you like to work on you have what i imagine is sort of a dream job for a lot of people yes i love my job it is a dream job yeah so what do you do you hope to be doing anything different in three years from now five years from now like would you if you were doing the same stuff and working on the same projects would you be happy you know i don't know i've been doing this for how long have i been doing this i think three years now two full-time on open source yeah mm-hmm. over two years i'm pretty sure uh, and i'm not tired of it yet like there's some things so some parts still suck like a day normal day job sucks mm-hmm. but um it's good because i know that i know that well I'm improving, so I'm improving the tools that we get to use at our company. But I'm also being like, I'm also able to help out the community. Like, I'm helping tons of people. Yeah. So, um, it makes me feel good about the product that I can put out. Like, I'm, I'm more in touch with the people that I'm helping. Right. Yep. So that, like, that's why I like the job, and I can't imagine. Um, 
I could imagine myself working on a different open source project full time, but I can't imagine myself doing anything besides open source full time. Hmm. How's that? Yeah, that's interesting. So, I mean, maybe someday I'll stop working on Rails, or someday I'll stop working on Ruby, but I would still want to work on an open source project. Huh. Interesting. So, I guess I wonder if that's something that you'd be able to maintain forever. I hope so. Yeah. At least until retirement. I, right, I honestly yeah. have no idea. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Am I going to become a manager? I don't know. Right. I mean, it would be nice if I could manage a team of open source people. I could see myself doing that. Uh huh. But I don't ever see myself getting away from or going away from open source community or open source itself. Right. Mm hmm. Interesting. So, so what kind of stuff do you worry about? What kind of stuff do I worry about? <sighs> Like, in terms of anything? That's deliberately open-ended. The value of the dollar going down. Can't travel anywhere. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Why is everything so expensive? I'm dying. Uh, <laughs> what am I worried? I don't know. I, I guess I don't really worry too much about stuff. Um, it's a good place to be. Yeah, I mean... I worry about sometimes I worry about maybe Ruby or Rails becoming irrelevant because mm. uh, I love them so much. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I've been through stuff like that before. Like, I used to be a Perl programmer, I used to be a Java programmer, and now I'm a Ruby programmer. I mean, it doesn't worry me too much because I'm not afraid to adapt. So, yep. but I still think it's something I think about a lot. And I think about, like, well, how can I make sure that doesn't happen? Right, right. So how can I make sure we have a good good future? Yeah. So I guess I worry about the future is what I worry about. Sure. So it's, it's interesting because surely one day Rails will be out of date. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, totally. Right? So yep. how, how will we see that? When will, what will that look like? I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess really something would know. have to come along that's just so much better that, and like Rails has so much inertia that it yeah. can't catch up. Yep. You know, the, one thi the thing that's weird is like, so most of the features... Well, a lot of the awesome features that we have in, well, okay, 50%. 50% of the awesome features that we have in Rails, like, I actually had 10 years ago when I was working on Mod Pearl applications. Okay. Like, we actually already had this. Live code reloading, done. Had all that crap. Yeah. And then, for some reason, like... Java came along and they're like, For, we have to get on J2EE. And they're like, what? I'm like, why? And it's like, because the reason we have to get, let me tell you the reason we had to get on J2EE. The reason we had to get on J2EE is because um, it abstracted this. I'm totally doing air quotes. I know you can't see this on the podcast, but it's like, this is the reason why. And it's, I'm putting air quotes because I think it's a reason. Yes. Can I say that? Bull yeah, oh, sure. Bull <laughs> <laughs> he's like Don't marking. He's like marking what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is gonna be the explicit podcast. <laughs> it's got to go into iTunes explicit. Uh, oh no! Yeah. Um, so the reason the reason was that um, oh, it was so that we could be abstracted from the database and we could change what database we go we go to at any time. You know, because we have tons of Oracle instances and we maybe we want to migrate to whatever, but. Like, that never works out. It doesn't work. You can't... You're not going to get off of this database. It's not going to happen. Rarely people change databases. Actually, I've never been in a company that changed their database backend. Hmm. So I can mean, we just rip out everything from Rails and make everyone use Postgres? That would be nice. I'd like that. Yeah. 
thing is, I think I think what happens is is like you get you start out and you're on top of this like nice ORM and it works pretty well, but then as soon as like I'm about to swear, as soon as <laughs> it hits the fan, then you gotta like then you gotta like you know adjust and use database specific features, and then as soon as you use those database specific features, right? Boom, you're why, done. Why do you even have the abstraction? Game over. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, the abstraction is nice for, like, 90% of your code, but then it's that 10% that keeps you from changing to a different database. Right. So, and then the other feature, the other feature was that, oh, we're going to put a cache, we'll be able to put a caching layer on top of the database, and that didn't work out. We ended up buying, like, a Sun, whatever the biggest machine is that you could possibly buy from them and put our Oracle database on it, and, like, okay, whatever. Anyway, that was a depressing time a, of my life. A little more as law refactoring? Yes. That was, I did not like that time of my software engineering career. It was mm. not very fun. Got it. Hmm. So when are you happiest? Uh, I don't know. That's a hard question. Yeah. Um, I'm typically always pretty happy. When am I happiest? <laughs> I don't know. How do you measure happiest? I, look, oh, I'm, just I'm the, turning this around. How do you measure happiest? How can I objectively tell you when I am the happiest? I don't think you can. I mean, you could take a psychological test that's designed to put a number to happiness, but I don't think that would... I'm looking more for your own, like... Well, typically I'm at about a 10. Okay, you run at a 10 just as an average. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it goes up to 11. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we crank it up there, yeah. put it up to 11. Okay. So you're happiest <laughs> when you're awake. Uh, yeah, when I'm awake. Actually, well, when I'm asleep, that's pretty awesome, too. I like sleeping. (laughs) Don't get enough of it. All right. This Um, is a bad question for you. Because you barely worry and you're always happy. I'm unhappy when I'm on airplanes. Okay. That blows. Yeah. Is that a swear word? No. Whatever. Okay. (laughs) Um, I I don't like being on airplanes. That's when I'm unhappy. I'm happiest when... I don't know. After about two beers, All I right. think, is when I'm happiest. Okay. There you go. Beautiful. <laughs> don't worry. We can cut the bad question, the, the questions with bad answers. I'm not going to say like which said, ones I'm they car- were. When I'm not carrying tons of guns, drugs, and knives, yep. then I'm happiest. Got it. <laughs> Next question, Next please. Question. Um, yeah. Is this a Lego robot? Not really. No? I don't okay. think so. All right, so I got one more question for you, and then sure. we're going to send you on your merry way. Okay. So if you could wave a magic wand and change something about Rails, what would it be? Oh, I don't think I could say that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I could wave a magic wand and change something about Rails, what would it be? Um, the one thing... There's a lot of things that I would change about Rails, but the one, like one of the things that I would really love to change about Rails is um, the internals of the template processing system. I actually, so the thing is, like, I love the interface of Rails; it's great. Like using it to build web apps, awesome. But some of the internals, I'm like, Bleh, sucks. Mm. Um, if I could change one thing, I would wish I would want all of the. Um, template rendering stuff to be built around streams like IO treating treating responses as IOs Mm. I mean today we're basically in like we're basically in like crappy CGI land under the hood Uh 
and it's like basically glorified glorified CGI land is what we're currently dealing with, mm-hmm. and I don't like that at all. And it's that's actually one of the reasons why I'm slightly afraid of Node.js is that they're actually using I.O. streams for doing their stuff. Mm. And I'm like, that is the way we should be doing it. Right. And if we did it that way, then this would this framework would basically be irrelevant to me. Uh-huh. So, but it's something you can look at and recognize as as a good idea. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. I mean, and the thing is, like, the thing that kills me is it's like treating the response as an IO stream has been around forever, like forever. And why we don't do that, I don't know. Can you just clarify what you mean by like the difference between how it is now and how it would be? Sure. Um, right now, so basically, right now, when you when templates are rendered or compiled down, they're all buffered up into one big string and then written out to the response. Right, so you say like, okay, let's buffer all this crap up, and then send it on its merry way. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas, what I would prefer is if, when we're rendering, we say like, as we as we render something, we're like, okay, we're done with this chunk, write it out, keep writing out chunks, keep writing out chunks until we're completely done. Mm-hmm. Right. And people might say, well, oh, that's going to break cases where you have like. Um, I don't know. It can break many cases. Like maybe you're modifying cookies, and you, like you've written out some of the template, and all of a sudden you decide to modify a cookie. Yep. Right. And it can break those cases, and that's totally true. It can. But the thing is, buffering before sending out to the socket is a subset of streaming. Like let's say, to pretend that you had an I/O that all it did was just buffer up everything. Right. You could easily do that. So if everything was built around streaming, you could say, like, well, if I want to, I can stream this out to the application, and it goes and works just fine. But if I don't want to, then I can just replace the I.O. object that we stream to and just have that I.O. object buffer everything up. Yeah. And then none of the code changes. Right. All, your, all the internals stay exactly the same, and you decide, you decide whether you want to stream or buffer based on the type of I.O. object that you use. Right now we have, like, the internals are, like, Okay, do you want to use streaming? We use a completely different code bath. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Right. So is the benefit of the streaming that the browser just starts getting data back faster? Yes. So one benefit of streaming is we can do stuff like, well, there's a few benefits. One benefit is, like, you don't have to buffer the entire page in memory. So if you have a giant page, like, you don't have to be able to fit that into memory and have mm-hmm. processes contending over the amount of memory that you use. Um, the other advantage is that if you can get the head tags written out faster, then you can have the browser doing things in parallel, like going and downloading assets. Mm-hmm. And depending on you know, depending on the responses you want, like depending on the size of the responses that you have, like that can be an advantage. The other thing that it's useful for is like let's say you're doing API responses, like JSON, JSON type stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like today you buffer up all the JSON and then send it down the send it down. Whereas you could be writing that a piece at a time, and your client could be parsing it in real time, mm. right? So imagine that you have, like, an iPhone or something that's on a latent or high-latency network. Instead of waiting for the whole page to be buffered up, it could start parsing as soon as it gets data and be updating your display live. Gotcha. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can actually get... You'd be able to get um, parallelism, not like not like concurrency on your machine, but the whole process is happening at the same time. Right. Right. You're not having, like, the phone wait for the server and then the server wait for the buffering. You're having all those things able to have, you know, you can do it all at the same time. Mm. Good stuff. So that's, like, 
I wish we could change that. And then there's a bunch of stuff in Active Record I would like to change, but that's more important to me. Mm. Or the streaming stuff is. Yep. Okay. So I think that's that's actually about all I have for questions. This is usually the part of the podcast where I let the guest plug something. But I think Ruby and Rails are both pretty well known. Yeah, what could I plug? <laughs> uh, I don't know. See, now I'm getting, now I'm getting paranoid that I'm going to like start swearing a lot right because i'm not supposed because i'm not supposed to that's that? my fear that's my fear is like i'm afraid i'm gonna do something i'm not supposed to do just like do it like people who are afraid of heights they're not afraid of being high they're afraid of jumping off right right i'm afraid of talking to tsa agents not because i'm afraid of tsa agents but because i'm afraid i'm gonna say something stupid <laughs> i'm afraid of podcasts for exactly the same reason <laughs> Uh, the beauty of podcasts are they're not live though so that's true you can totally edit it always edit and then wait till you see what we're going to make you say (laughs) we got a really good sound guns and knives guns and knives do you need to sample something are there some words you would like me to say yes could you say like I'm a huge fan of and then just stop I'm a huge fan of (laughs) perfect (laughs) have somebody else's somebody else's voice comes along and just says some product name (laughs) I'm a huge fan of uh, what could I be a huge fan of? I don't know. Yeah. What can I plug? Um, <laughs> we are in the vet, in the uh, sponsors room. We're we're cutting whatever let you me, say right oh, now. Oh, okay. Let, let me tell it. you. You guys should list everybody. Let me tell you what I'm plugging now. Okay. I'm plugging this podcast. <laughs> you guys should listen to Giant Robots smashing other Giant Robots podcast. It's a meta plug. Awesome. And totally useless because they're already listening. <laughs> Amazingly useless <laughs> recursive meta plug. So, if people wanted to get in touch with you, what is the best way to do that? Um, they should tweet at me. My Twitter handle is at tenderlove. My website is tenderlovemaking.com. Um, Those are both yeah. safe for work. Yeah, totally safe for work. Actually, I have a funny story. Um, there's a guy, he was IMing me, he's like, I have a problem with, I'm using, I'm using one of your gems, and I'm having a problem with it. And I was like, oh, I actually posted a blog post on exactly how to do, exactly how to solve this particular problem. Here's a link. And I sent him a link to my blog post, and he's like, I can't read it because our corporate firewall blocks your website. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably because it's pink, though. Yes. It has nothing to do with yeah, the domain I'm, name. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. Well, Aaron, it's been awesome talking to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Thanks. Thanks.